When asked to describe swing, the genre of music for which Louis Armstrong became known, he replied, if you have to ask, you'll never know. Originally from New Orleans, Armstrong spanned over five decades as a performer. His soaring trumpet melodies and scat vocal lyrics became the voice of a region, a style of music, and a group of people. While seemingly brushing off those who were not familiar with swing, there's a deep truth buried in Armstrong's statement. Swing music is not something that comes to life with a particularly well-thought-out description. It has to be experienced. Once the melodies wash over you and you cannot help but sway, you start to understand its power. Likewise, stained glass windows are an odd phenomenon to the outside viewer. From the street, the refraction of light through the small colored pieces of glass, they don't dance. Rather, it's a dull mosaic of different colors. But standing inside the sanctuary, the light bounces through the glass on a sunny day in a way that dances brilliantly as the sun moves. Further, there's no story to be told when you look in from the outside. But as we sit here this morning, if you start in this corner and go all the way around the sanctuary, you can trace the story of scripture from Genesis to Jesus's resurrection. It's a completely different experience of the same panel of glass dependent on the side of the window on which you find yourself. In today's gospel, Jesus invites us into deeper relationship. Like swing music and our stained glass windows, a relationship is not something that can be fully grasped and appreciated with a thoughtful description or from a spectator's perspective. Rather, a relationship is something that has to be entered into and experienced. This morning's text brings with it several elements that may need clarification. First, the Jewish authorities who interrogate Jesus are looking for something transactional and performative from Jesus. They are in need of a clear way to affirm his guilt. And his, own, his answer only confuses them more. He has performed many miracles and signs, and they cannot figure out how. But for those who have experienced these miracles, it is enough. They have entered into relationship. But for the authorities, they want to be able to measure the impact that he is having. But the messy truth is that the impact of relationships is not measurable. In responding to the authorities, Jesus' reference to shepherd and sheep would have been familiar to them. It was an ancient metaphor often used in prophetic literature. Its power may be lost on us because we are not situated in the midst of an agrarian lifestyle. But here's what's important to know about the sheep in the story. They don't get into arguments or overanalyze worthiness. Rather, they know the sound of their shepherd's voice and they have come to recognize it. They have experienced the trustworthiness of their guide and are willing to follow, knowing that he will provide that which is needed. It's not a complicated relationship. Sheep are often looked down upon for their lack of intelligence. But in this context, it's the simplicity of the sheep's loyalty that is celebrated. Further emphasizing this point is the story of Tabitha's resurrection in the book of Acts. The recognition of and trust of another's voice can be deeply transformative 
if we allow it that power. The book of Acts brings us Luke's account of the spread of the early church. A woman who is otherwise unknown in the biblical text, Tabitha, is resurrected from the dead by Peter, the cornerstone of the church. It is clear that she was a woman who had earned great respect, surrounded by widows. It seems as if Tabitha had an incredibly generous habit of taking under her wing those whom society had discarded. She made clothing for them, created a meaningful community, and cared for them. Tabitha played a pivotal role, serving as the proverbial glue that held this community together. We know this because upon her death, those whom she cared for were clear that they could not go on without her. They were not yet ready to take up her work in her absence, so they sent for Peter. As best we know, Peter had not yet visited Lydda or the community who was in mourning for Tabitha. When Peter arrives, he ushers out those who are closest to Tabitha and begins to pray. Tabitha, recognizing the voice of the disciple of Jesus, recognizing his prayers, responds to the familiar words and is raised from the dead. Life is literally breathed back into her, and she is transformed and returned to the community. Tabitha is among a very short list of those whom the biblical tradition tells us are resurrected. Why does Tabitha's story matter for us? I don't think it's as simple as an instructive to wait patiently for bodily resurrection. There's more to it than that. At its core, this is a story about listening. Tabitha listening to the needs of the widows in her community. Tabitha listening to the God and the people of Lydda trusting one another. Relational commitments are deeply transformative. And this type of transformation can only be entered into and experienced, not mastered or fully understood. This may all sound far too simplistic. Trust in God, respond to God's voice, and you will be changed. But I want to invite you to think more deeply about your own experience. How many of you decided to join St. Michael's because the logic you found in the Nicene Creed resonated so well and it was so articulate? Right, no one. How many of you have read the canons of the Diocese of Virginia or of our parish and find that they are the glue that keeps our lives together? No one? Okay. More likely than not, there was a person who made an introduction, a story of Jesus that took on meaning for you or feeling that you got when you found yourself here on Sunday morning. One of those things was enough to make you curious about the rest of the story. We are relational creatures, and our stories take on depth and meaning the more we are willing to lean into those relationships. One of the habits of my leadership is to start meetings with a practice called dwelling in the word. It's a method of Bible study that relies on the wisdom of the people in the room to give meaning to the text in the midst of a commitment to return to the same text over and over again with a curiosity for what else it might have in store for us. We do not focus on the historical context or the scholarly interpretation. Rather, we read the text and share with a partner what we have just heard. It is then the responsibility of the partner to share with the larger group what has been revealed. 
It's a practice both of listening to one another and to Holy Scripture. And here's the amazing summary of the hours and hours spent in study of Scripture with one another. Listening is hard. At least once in every study, someone has the courage to say, I didn't listen. I'm so sorry. Please tell me what you have shared. It has been so, so holy. You've been incredibly understanding and forgiving of one another. And each time the listening happens in a deeper way when we return to, again to one another. This is not rocket science. Listening to the reflection of another in such a way that you could repeat back what they said five minutes later. But it's not how we typically move through this world. Programmed to be gentle and intentional in noticing what is being said and what is being left out. We are not cultured to take time to return to one another and a simple 12 verses of scripture over and over again. But I can tell you that you all have started listening to one another in different and deeper ways. It's a simple but transformative practice. One of my best friends has a young son, and when he was learning to talk, he had an unfortunate habit of referring to his mother as Dada. His daycare workers thought it was hilarious, as did most of us, but eventually it began to lose its levity for her. But she never failed to respond because it was the voice of her child calling out to her over and over again. She'll never stop responding. Likewise, God is attentive. No matter the insults, disappointments, fears, and joys we hurl at God, to be in relationship means we are open to recognizing God's voice in unexpected places and people. It means we are open not simply to certainty or affirmation, but the deep and abiding mystery of God. Amen.